This podcast is a publication of the Engineering Management Institute, where we are committed to building professional development systems, including project management and people leadership programs that support the growth of engineers and their firms. Download our AE Industry Trends Report for insights on the great resignation, remote work productivity, and people-centric cultures. To get your copy, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, where I'll be talking with Nicholas Wiegener, Senior Principal and Chief Technical Officer at Simpson, Gumperts, and Hager, also known as SGH. We're going to talk about SGH's rich history of innovation, how they have pushed the engineering profession forward, and the importance of embracing a what's possible mentality in your organization. We're also going to explore how SGH collaborates with engineers to provide practical solutions and support, as well as the significance of fostering partnerships with engineering staff, external companies, and research organizations to drive technical collaboration through the lab that they have in their facility. I'm Anthony Fasano, your host for today's episode. I'm a licensed professional engineer who practiced as an engineer, but eventually decided I wanted to focus more on inspiring engineers rather than doing the engineering myself. So since then, I've written a book entitled Engineer Your Own Success and have traveled the world helping engineers become better managers and leaders. Let's jump in. All right, now I'd like to welcome our guest on to the show today, Nick Beginner, Senior Principal and Chief Technical Officer at SGH. Nick, welcome to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. Thank you, Anthony. It's great to be here. So, Nick, maybe we could start off by having you tell us a little about yourself and your role as the CTO at SGH. I've been at Simpson Gumpers and Agro SGH since the 1990s, so I basically grew up in the organization. Uh, this is only my second job. I worked at a consulting firm in Cambridge, SEA Consultants, for a bit once I got out of school. And that was a great first job where I really learned a lot. But then I joined SGH to do more building rehabilitation work, which is something that they were pretty strong at. And and over the years, uh, SGH was able to keep me pretty engaged and pretty excited about what I was doing every step of the way. So I've been here for over 25 years. And, and I've started a new office in Washington, D.C. I came back to Boston and uh Really, the fun part and the most uh, gratifying part, if you're with an organization that long, is you you watch people grow up and people that are hired out of school as kids, as 22-year-olds, they're now leaders, which is fantastic. So the best way I can put it is uh, if you have a technical position at SGH, if you're an engineer or an architect or a scientist, it's really my job to make sure that you are successful here, that you are well-led, and that you have a good career here. So the, we call that our chief technical officer. Sometimes I get confused for a chief technology officer, which is, people wonder if I'm in charge of all things IT, and I can assure you I'm terrible at that. I'm terrible at computers, but fortunately I have four kids that uh, help me through those challenges, including a, a son who's a freshman in comp side. So that's where I am. Something that I see in a lot of consulting firms is you know, the idea that you kind of have this fork in the road between a technical and a managerial professional where 
sometimes there may be pressure for people that you have to go into management and consulting, but I think we all know that you need true subject matter experts and technical professionals in our field. Within your role, is that something that you think about and how you can make it clear to people that there is a technical track in our company and we want to support you on that? It sounds like that's kind of what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And it comes natural to almost everybody because part of enjoying the technology, enjoying the problem solving is helping others solve their problems. So pretty much on on day two of your job, you'll wind up coaching people, you wind up helping people with their work. And uh, the more you grow up in an organization, the more of that you'll be doing just naturally. And for us, it is we see that as a natural evolution of your technical career. We train you and we encourage you to take on responsibility for leading others. We have career paths that are technically oriented, but most of us, most of our technical staff at SGH also grow up to be leaders of people because, you know, this is really how we grow the organization and more importantly, how we grow the people around us and lead them to satisfying careers. And, And as I said just a few minutes ago, really the best part of being in leadership and being with an organization for 25 plus years, I said, you see people that you grew be successful and be technical and leaders of people in their own right, which is something that's really fun to see. And I think if you're going to be successful in our field as a technical professional, you're going to need to interact with and lead people. So it's great that, you know, SGH is kind of helping technical professionals to be well-rounded, if you will, that's important in, in our field. So Nick, SGH has a rich history of innovation, testing, research, and kind of verifying new approaches. Could you maybe share some examples of how SGH has embraced this culture of innovation and push the engineering profession forward in this sense? Innovation and, and, and advancing the engineering profession is really part of our DNA. So you may know that we are founded by three professors, Werner Gumpert, Howard Simpson, and Frank Hager, who basically took their MIT professorships and moved them up Mass Ave into Cambridge and started a consulting firm. And and it's really fun when you talk to them. They all passed away now, but I got to meet them and, and actually work with them. And I remember talking to Howard one of his later years and, and asked him about, you know, what it was like to start an engineering firm and some of the things that they wrestled with. And and he told me the story where he said, you know, the Department of Defense came to us and and they said, can you figure out a way if we have a dead forest canopy, if we can drop a large piece of fabric on there and turn that into an airport for helicopters. And, you know, I told Howard, that is the weirdest thing that I've ever heard. But, you know, those are the kind of things that they wrestled with and uh, early on in their careers. And you can tell that that innovation and, and looking at, at strange problems was part of what they've always done and what we've always done. And, and they essentially started what I refer to as a problem-solving machine. And in, you know, later, in probably, I don't know, 40 or 50 years ago, SGH, the next generation, uh, Glenn Bell and Tom Schwartz, they were the engineers for the Epcot Center, Sphere. And then you can imagine that it's one of the most iconic engineering structures in the U.S. And, you know, used a lot of very innovative approaches, very Ford's day, very advanced computer modeling of structural systems prefabrication of components that were brought to the site and then had to fit together in a complex shape. Tom Schwartz, who led our building technology group, 
designed a, a waterproof skin that had a million different penetrations for the structural system, internal gutter system. So very, very unusual stuff for its days and really driving the profession forward. Really more recently, uh, one of our partners in San Francisco, Ron Hamburger, designed the repair for the Millennium Tower. It's one of the most visible, really, engineering issues in the world that you've read about. And, and one of the things that he taught me and that I observed, that it doesn't just take skill and good ideas, but it also takes a lot of courage to innovate because he came up with a, a very innovative repair to a building performance problem. And, and what I noticed there, if it's very big, if it's very unusual, if it's very visible, there are a lot of engineers who have not spent the same time that you have looking at that problem. They may criticize you, especially if things don't go well. And it's all the more gratifying that eventually when they do go well, you have indicated. But it, that has taught me that you know it takes a lot of courage in addition to skill and experience and good ideas to innovate in our profession. And Glenn and, and Ron, certainly leaders in the field, we've had them on our Structural Engineering Channel podcast, and they've done a lot of great stuff. And I think just in general around innovation, what's important today is that firms in our industry have to innovate. I mean, I don't think there's another way because if you don't, you're going to be just left behind at this point. Everything's changing so quickly. Technology's changing so quickly. So I think for those of you out there too, in your careers, like you need to consider your organization's innovation strategy because I think it impacts your own career because are you going to have access to the right tools? Are you going to be on the leading edge? Are you going to be involved in some of these exciting projects? Which is an important thing to consider. And I think the other thing that Nick said that's important is engineering organizations, engineering firms, they get paid to solve problems, but there's many different solutions for a problem. And so- if your firm is kind of keeping up to date on technology and innovation, you're probably going to have some of the best solutions to these problems, which can keep you, again, as a leader in the field. So I think there's a lot of opportunity in our industry for innovation from the individual standpoint and from the organizational standpoint. It's interesting to hear some of the things that SGH is doing. And I think for those of you out there, it's something you need to kind of consider in your career and how it's going to kind of come into play because it is here. It's here to stay for sure. SGH has kind of this what's possible mentality, which is really cool. Always questioning kind of the why to advance the field. So talk about how this mindset really influences the work that you do at SGH and some of the solutions like we're talking about that you're able to bring to your clients. And how can our listeners or you know engineering professionals out there kind of adopt this mindset in their own practices? As an engineer and as a problem solver, you have to bring it's sort of like athletic coaching. You have to start with the conviction that you can find a way to win. And uh, in engineering, you have to start with the conviction that you can find a way to solve the problem. That's a critical, critical piece that you have to bring to the job. So, for example, we do a lot of work with architects that design very innovative structures, very unusual structures. And I'll give you a hypothetical example it's something that engineers, we have to find our way around. An architect comes to you and says, you know, I want to build this spherical structure that's going to be translucent and, and on a 30-foot cantilever. And your first impulse as an engineer is almost always, oh, gosh, that is super hard. Uh, why don't we make it a box and why don't we make it out of concrete? So that's how 
probably 90% of the profession looks at it. And, you know, you have to find a way. And this is really what's fun about it, um, because you get to be around creative people. You get to be around fun people, very interesting things. You have to find a way to get yourself to a point where you say, you know, I can find a solution to this problem. I can find a technical solution. Because fundamentally what we do is we take an architect's vision, like, you know, Epcot Center started out as a twinkle in an architect's eye. And we find the technology to support that vision, which is really great. The other thing that as a professional, you have to keep in mind, you know, when you're looking at innovation or as a leader, when you're looking at innovation, is that innovation doesn't come through quantum leaps. The quantum leaps are the things that we see, but through particularly in a traditional field, through constantly trying things, seeing how things work. And it's the accumulation of small innovations that eventually give you much, much bigger ideas, much, much bigger, better tools. As you start a new process, you look how things work, you get to change, you get to tweak, and it consistently gets better. So, you know, you have to approach every day as in, I'm going to try something new, I'm going to see how it works, I'm going to let it enrich my profession. That's a really good analogy for one's career, right? You don't wake up one day and you're a principal in an engineering firm. It's something that you've been working on for years and years. And it, you tried working on a certain type of project, you didn't like it. So you went to a different department, you worked, you'd like that one. Then you become an expert in that field. And maybe you get your license and a certification. And so having a good plan in your career, taking it one step at a time, doing the right things and you know, showing up to work every day is how you're going to get to where you want to go most likely. And, and I think the same parallel with innovation is, is in your own effort. So that's a good way to put it. Well, SGH does collaborate with engineers to kind of provide, of course, practical solutions, support. What advice do you have for engineers that want to kind of leverage collaboration in their own projects, right? I think this idea of collaborating in the world we live in today is such a big deal because there's just, we need to do it to work together. Talk a little bit about collaboration in our world. The way I look at it, you know, innovation really comes and collaboration really comes and gets most fruitful is if you see something, do something clever in their own practice, and then you take that and you adapt it to what you're doing. So it is super important that you have your eyes open every day, what people around you are doing and what skills and what technical ideas they bring to the job, and then you creatively apply that to what you're doing. And what we do to foster that with our people is we have a, a ton of internal training programs that are open to everybody, not just engineers, architects, scientists. They're open to everybody that you know works with us. Idea is really that we see what others are doing, and that has a couple benefits. You know, if I'm as an engineer, I'm fundamentally there to do right by the client to solve the client's problem. If I can solve more of their problems because my colleague in the next office over is good at that, the client is going to be very happy. The other thing that happens is that the more skill you pull into a job, the better your, your product is going to be, the better your work is going to be, and also the more exciting it gets because the project gets bigger, just gets more satisfying for everybody involved because nobody wants to do the same thing over and over and over again. We want to solve bigger, more complex, more unusual problems. And, you know, if we have a community of 650 or 700 people that all have solved unusual problems and I can pull that into my project, it gets pretty fun and it gets pretty exciting. 
So we really double down on the knowledge sharing. We have a number of different offices, and we try to make sure that everybody in every office knows what the others are doing and are able to bring that to their project. Nick, the Applied Science and Research Center, or ASRC, plays a significant role in enhancing SGH's technical capabilities. Could you tell us about what that is, You know how it came about, and why it was named Applied Science and Research as opposed to just a lab? So our Applied Science Research Center is, is really also part of our heritage. Fundamentally, engineers, we'd like to have some tactile experience with the material. We'd like to play with it. We'd like to take it apart. We'd like to uh, test it to establish engineering properties. So this is really part of one of the earliest days of SGH, to have some sort of facility where we work on materials, mainly to inform our investigative group. A few decades ago, uh, that really grew because the firm brought in a principal who was a chemist, not an engineer, grew up in General Electric, and uh, he brought a scientist's rigor to the he established procedures. He hired technical staff who could perform repeatable tests, brought in a lot of equipment, and it just became much more formalized from sort of a a playtime makerspace kind of shop into a real laboratory. And we were able to solve a lot bigger, more unusual problems with this new tool and uh, hired scientists to bring more expertise to the job whenever we needed it. So we now have metallurgists, we have uh, petrographers, we have uh, chemists, really to solve unusual problems. And over time, this grew not just to enrich our engineering, but to be its own standalone, really, entity that, that had its own notoriety and capability. And uh, with our new building, we put it front and center. So if you walk into SGH now, the first thing that you see is the Applied Science and Research Lab. You see our equipment there. You see people working. You see people engaged in problem-solving and testing. So it really outgrew its humble roots of being an engineer's playground into its own standalone research center. And we named it that, the Applied Science and Research Center. And we went looking for leadership. And we hired a lab director, Norm Perkins, who, who runs the Applied Science and Research Group and gave it a more forceful professional mission. So that's where we are with it now. And it has really grown from supporting engineering to being its own entity that draws people, that draws business, and, and draws expertise to us. Going back to like innovation, I mean, you could have a firm that maybe does structural engineering, but you could have a firm that does structural engineering and is also investigating new materials and you know different things that you can utilize within those structural solutions. So that definitely goes back to the innovation side of what you talked about earlier on, which is great. For engineers, Nick, that are looking to maybe enhance their own work, how can they effectively utilize the tested approaches and the insights that are generated by the ASRC in their own projects? Is that a possibility? I talked a little bit about our knowledge sharing program. So we are pretty active in making sure everybody knows what capabilities we have so they can bring those to their job. So one of the examples I had a, a few years ago, we had a project at a, at a museum that had a big stone facade with natural stone that was failing. 
And, uh, you know, we struggled a bit with it to figure out what was going on. And then one of our petrographers actually solved the problem. And it was unusual because the stone had undergone pretty rigorous testing. And he determined that really the reason that the stone was failing, the standard tests on stone that made on pretty small samples, but the samples, so the actual stone that was used is pretty big. And he determined that there was a size effect. So even though the small samples performed well, the larger actual material on the building did not. And you have to know where that expertise is. And you have seen it before. You have to have seen it before. So I knew and we knew that we had a petrographer experienced in stone in the house and who could solve this problem. So... One of the things that we are really big on is bringing our staff into the lab, into the Applied Science and Research Center to understand what is going on there, understand what the capabilities are. We also use it quite a bit to, you know, enrich our profession. So uh, we know we're in Boston, a lot of universities, a lot of technical colleges here, engineering departments. We bring people into the lab. We bring students, we bring professors into the lab to see what they can do. And they go back and they take some ideas back to their own research. So we had a really interesting and fun experience uh, probably a year or two ago where a student at, at WPI knew what we were doing. He had been an intern with us. And he had this pretty unusual idea to test the air leakage rate on a van that he had outfitted, a, a school bus. And uh, he brought that to us, and we had the equipment. We tested. We did air leakage testing on this vehicle. It was the one of the strangest things we've ever done, but it was really interesting because you know here comes a young person with a an interesting idea, and you know who knows, United might be looking at the next big thing. So we bring a lot of unusual ideas in there. Another example that we have: the lab has a wet room where we can test building assemblies, expose them to water spray. We can have temperature variations. We can uh, produce very cold, very, very hot temperatures to stress the materials. And uh, we had an unusual project where we had to determine why a particular roof assembly was leaking under what conditions. And we were able to recreate that roof assembly in our lab, build a sloping roof with shingles and underlayment, and then subject it to water spray build all that in our lab and understand how the material was performing, how things were doing. So it is pretty powerful in the way we make sure we apply it correctly. People know how to apply it is by spreading awareness among our people and the engineering community at large. And I think whenever you create an outlet or an avenue like the Research Center, you create an avenue for these opportunities where this intern or the student can reach out to you now because they're aware of that the center and they can bring an idea to the table and you could decide whether or not you want to investigate it. But I think creating these opportunities today in our industry is really important. The research center is certainly one of them for sure. And I think that those of you out there listening, I think you should look to create opportunities like that in your career, You know, however you can do that because you, know, you want to create these avenues to bring collaboration, bring innovation together, because that's, I think, how we're going to solve some of the bigger problems that we have to solve in, in the world going forward as engineers. Nick, talk a little bit about the importance 
of the expertise of one's staff in contributing to the success of a company's research and innovation efforts because it takes a lot of people. Well, the expertise of a staff is really the only thing that we have. And that's why we, our number one mission is to keep our staff trained, engaged, and happy at what they're doing. Because that's really the skill, the can-do attitude, the ideas that our staff bring to us. It's really our only capital. Our CFO, Marty Mullins, is, is fond of saying, all our assets walk out the door at, at 5 p.m. So we spend a lot of effort uh, training and teaching our staff. So I already talked about the internal training programs that we have, a few other things that we do to make sure that our staff are well-trained is um, we have an internal staff exchange program. So it's sort of interesting whenever you contemplate a problem that you have, you know, in your own here in Boston, I might have a Boston problem, but, you know, it's very likely that somebody in Los Angeles in our office has solved that problem 10 years ago. So we move staff around to make sure that there is consistency of practice and we know where the expertise lies so we can bring that expertise to the job. Other thing that is very important to us and that is really part of the academic heritage of the firm is we look for you know, all our people to be engaged in benefiting their professional community. So, you know, early on in a person's career that might be you know, volunteering at a school, uh, t talking about your profession, or going back to your alma mater and giving a guest lecture on something that you've learned as a young professional. Later on, it, it may be serving on technical committees or code writing committees or publishing, participating in professional societies. And that's where a lot of innovation comes from. This is a, a really twofold effect. It engages our staff because we, they know we are invested in their training, in their well-being, in their professional growth and development. But it also is tremendously important to our work and to innovation because all innovation comes from seeing what others in the marketplace are doing, seeing what others in adjacent fields are doing, and bringing those good ideas to your work. And that is only possible if you look at your own office beyond your own cubicle and interact with the technical community out there. So you can gather, you can harvest those good ideas that you see, and you can bring them to your own practice and have them enrich your own problem solve. That point you mentioned about kind of moving the staff around is an important one because I think that one of the things that firms struggle with today is information sharing and knowledge sharing across an organization because, you know, things are moving fast. But like you said, there's probably someone in another office or another location is probably has information that can save you days potentially, right? And so making sure that that information can get shared appropriately across your organization is something that I think is a really important aspect of growing a firm today and having some kind of process or structure or community or avenue in place to allow those that sharing to happen is just so important. I see it so many times in, in companies where there's kind of wasted resources because they're not making those connections, and that's really important. Nick, do you have any final piece of advice on how engineers can stay informed and actively participate in these initiatives to kind of stay ahead in their own practices? most important thing is really to engage yourself internally within your own firm. 
We have an internal website that is just full of technical chatter all day, people looking for problem-solving advice. But really, uh, taking it back a little bit, the most important piece of advice I have is that you want to, throughout your entire career, starting at day one, you want to continue to learn and educate yourself about the profession, but also teach people. And you want to be sure you are in a place that supports that. And I have an anecdote that I tell when, you know, whenever I need to illustrate this is that as a young professional, when I first got out of school, I had, a, had an interview at a firm in upstate New York. And I asked the gentleman who was interviewing me, hey, uh, Cornell is right up the road. That's a wonderful school. I'm sure we can go over there and take classes. And he said, well, actually, no because we really don't like to spend the money to train our people, and then they just up and leave. And you know, I was kind of disappointed, and they never offered me a job anyway. And, but you know, thinking about it years later is that gentleman really told me everything I needed to know about the organization right then. So you really want to be in a place where you can learn, where you can engage yourself, and where that is supported. So you know, really from day one, you want to be not just learning, but giving back to your community, be that through mentoring and teaching. As engineers, our code of ethics actually obligates us not just to keep our own skills up, but to educate the public at large about, about what we're doing, about our profession. So we take this pretty seriously. At SGH, we actually have requirement, once you become a med to senior person, that you have to be professionally engaged. And that is in many ways altruistic because we want to contribute to society, but also because it drives innovation. Because innovation really comes from seeing others do interesting things, others in adjacent fields or far from us fields, and then bringing that skill and bringing that to your own job. So my advice is be a great skilled technician, but look beyond your own firm, your own interest to experiences that enrich what you're doing. You kind of reminded me of that saying is, what if we train and upskill our professionals and they leave the company, but on the flip side, what if we don't train them and they stay? <laughs> it's always a good reminder, but we're talking to Nick Wiegener, Senior Principal and Chief Technical Officer at Simpson, Gumperts and Hager or SGH. Nick, I want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your day and spending some time with us here on the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me, Anthony. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Nick. I think they're doing some really cool things at SGH to try to kind of push the envelope and just create more innovation in our industry. And that's what you have to do today to grow your career. Otherwise, you're just going to become stagnant. We'd love to hear your feedback, comments, and our questions on the episode. You can go to engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. There you'll find a summary of all of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during the episode, as well as all of our episodes that we've done over the years. Also, if your firm is interested in people leadership or project management learning and development programs, we can help you. Not only do we have general programs that you can enroll your employees into, but we also build custom programs that speak specifically to your team and help them become better people leaders and project managers. You could check out our website for more information at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org or give us a call at 800-920-4007. 
That's 800-920-4007. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your engineering career endeavors. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to download the latest version of our AE Industry Trends Report to get answers to the questions that you want to ask your staff, but you may be afraid to do so. How long will the great resignation last? How long should you allow employees to work remotely? And how are successful firms using data to grow sustainably for the long term? You can learn the answers to these questions and more by downloading the report at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.